You want to get the right things done for your security program. Sounds simple. But what are the right things for you? What does done mean? And how are you going to get there? Rapid7 realizes more than anyone how hard this can be. While Rapid7's Insight platform offers you industry-leading vulnerability management and detection and response solutions, their focus is on understanding where you are so that they can help you get where you're going. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Rapid7 to get started. Welcome back, everyone, to Enterprise Security Weekly. Learn how to keep your internet self-safe in our next webcast on August 13th. That's right, Todd Beardsley from Rapid7, Matt Alderman, and myself will be talking about the report released by Rapid7 because they've basically scanned the entire internet uh, and are going to tell us about all of the things they've learned and the trends on whether or not the internet is safer than it was before or not so safe. You just have to tune in to find out securityweekly.com forward slash webcast or forward slash on demand to check out our previously recorded webcasts. Neera Jones, ambassador at Emerging Payments and uh, Association Advises Organizations on All Sizes on Payments, FinTech, RegTech, Cybercrime, Information Security Regulations, and more with more than 20 years of experience in financial services and technology. Her belief in change through innovation and partnerships. She joins us today to talk about uh, FinTech and some of the things emerging in the financial space. Welcome, Neera, to the show. Hi, glad to be here. It's nice to have you. Uh, Nir, how'd you get your start uh, in, in information security and uh, working in the financial uh, sector? Uh, so working in the financial sector was an absolute deliberate choice. That's, uh, that's what uh, I wanted to do when, uh, when, I, when I left university and, uh, and, and got my master's. So, uh, so invariably, I started working for a bank and, uh, and I became a programmer. That's how I started my career. So that was a very, very long time ago. Uh, and I'm going to show my age now as a programmer. You know, what I had to deal with every day was COBOL and Fortran mm-hmm. and RPG. And uh, Pascal was a very, very cool thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how long ago that was. So anyway, so I, I moved on. I stayed in uh, financial services and alternatively worked for, for banks banks and for technology companies, uh, such as Oracle, for example. And uh, and I ended up being where I am now, which is I uh, have been an independent consultant since uh, 2014. So uh, so about six years now. Uh, it sounds like seems like uh, like yesterday. And um, moving into information security was really literally by by accident um, when I applied uh, for my last corporate job. Uh, which uh, happened to be program uh, director for PCI DSS. Um, I wanted to move into cards. I didn't know anything about cards before. Uh, I was essentially a retail banker. And and suddenly uh, uh, there is this thing called PCI DSS. uh, And the only contact I've ever had with uh, information security uh, in my career was for them to tell me that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I looked up PCI DSS and uh, it stood for payment card industry. So far, so good. That's where I wanted to be. Data security standard, not so good. So uh, I went for the interview nevertheless because I really wanted to work for the company and it sounded quite interesting. Um, and, and I ended up getting the job. 
Um, and I stayed there for about five years, and I was director of uh, payment security and fraud, uh, and, uh, and 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 the start of my career in security. So it very rapidly moved on from uh, from pure card payment security to information security in general. Of course, with a very very good sprinkling of uh, fraud prevention as well as financial services regulation, and this is where I am now. And it's interesting, Nira, I think, uh, you know, when I put myself in this camp, I was really hard on PCI DSS, especially in the beginning. And it wasn't until I I took this retrospect and and went back and looked at how rampant fraud was and how I believe today that PCI DSS has actually done a pretty good job at at helping reduce fraud. Would you would you agree with that? Having, you know, worked directly in that space? Absolutely agree with that, and I think uh, uh, PCI DSS gets a, a hard rap. It's actually a very good set of security control. I think the reason why PCI DSS gets a hard rap is because uh, the industry in general um, tends to have lost sight of the intent. When PCI DSS was created, the intent was to prevent card fraud. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's evolved very, very much from that, and the standard itself uh, has evolved to cater for new technologies, mobile, for example, and so on and so forth. And it has evolved with the uh, the, the, the modern threats that, that we are facing, and it is indeed constantly evolving uh, with feedback from the community. But somehow, it seems um, uh, that uh, organizations and, 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 and the security industry in general have concentrated on compliance. And, and the idea as, a, as, as an end in itself, whereas compliance is absolutely not an end in itself, it's a, it's a means of uh, checking at any given point in time whether uh, the identifier of the known risks rather are, are, are there or not there. Uh, so I think we should get back to basic, really, and go back to the intent, which was to prevent fraud, and what is preventing fraud but managing risk. Yeah. So essentially, yeah. managing risk and being pragmatic was the intent of the standard. Somehow along the line, it's been lost, and I hope we will, we, we recover it. I also think that what helped was credit card companies made changes to the card system, right, with chips and uh, pins and all of that stuff in conjunction with PCI, right? So it it did create, you know, different data points and we shouldn't store this data or that data. But there was also, you know, those advances coupled with PCI, I think, is really what when I look back in history to the carding scene, you know, almost 20 years ago, I mean, it was really easy to commit credit card fraud, right? I think the bar is much higher today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, and 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 I think now uh, uh, we we've moved on quite quite a lot since then and uh, uh, and indeed in terms of the the chip obviously in Europe we've we've had that mm-hmm. for a very long time and uh, in the states the migration has been sort of going on since uh, since uh, the, the end of 2015 so and it's making things better but uh, as we experienced and as indeed you have experienced um, if. As far as fraud is, is concerned, I always say 
when you when you squeeze it somewhere, it's like a balloon. Mm-hmm. It actually pops up somewhere else. So mm-hmm. the effect that we are already observed in in Europe when we went through the chip migration uh, is what uh, uh, other geographies that have had more recent uh, migration are experiencing, which is basically uh, uh, the, the the fraud in e-commerce and essentially what is called card not present is effectively bubbling up as a result, and that is compounded. Uh, with the fact that we're now going through a pandemic uh, where everything is more digital. Mm. So invariably, fraud is going to increase. So they're going to attack web applications, John, right? Sorry, oh, John, actually, did I introduce John? I don't think I introduced John. I'm sorry. John Kinsella is here, uh, one of our hosts on Application Security Weekly. Uh, and a very good time for, for John to interject, uh, you know, into the conversation as, you know, web apps are probably one of the biggest uh, targets uh, in terms of e-commerce uh, fraud. I mean, unless there's the physical attack against the, the card uh, collection, you know, device, payment devices, um, the other a popular attack vector is, of course, web apps, right? Well, especially once you start doing card not presence, right? It's like you yeah. have to have somewhere to be able to um, both A, test that the card is, is valid so that you can sell it, and then actually, you know, try and mule some money out of it. Um, you know, Nier, what I'd be interested in thinking about are hearing from you is is I don't know if your experience is mostly in Europe or, or other parts of the world. Um, you know, we had someone on application security with weekly this week talking about how different parts of the world treat security and privacy differently. Sort of curious from your point of view, especially around PCI. I mean, PCI in the U.S. Um, you know, I'm with Paul. Initially, I think it was a bit of a joke the first version or two. Um, as people both got more serious about it. And then also as the spec became a little more refined and, and the auditors started paying more attention, I think that's when it started digging in. But curiously, what, what, what's your thoughts? Have, have you seen something like that or has it been more globally even around the world? Uh, in terms of it being not taken seriously, is that the question? Well, um, yeah, both from either a consumer point of view or probably more a vendor point of view. Is is it, has it got the same level of um, respect. Okay, um, so it invariably, uh, when there is regulation, regulation will always get tremendous respect because uh, essentially it's regulation. Mm-hmm. Now, PCI DSS, certainly in Europe, is not regu- uh, regulation. It's not law, it's not statute. It is governed by uh, by the card schemes for those that belong to, you know, uh, our members of the card networks. So as such, regulation itself will take precedence. What we went through in Europe, obviously since May 2018, is uh, uh, the uh, launch of the uh, General Data Protection Regulation. So, and everybody was preparing for this and getting very, very scared about it. And uh, so that's where the focus was. So suddenly, and I'm sure you've seen that yourself, uh, with with CCPA now, suddenly everyone is a GDPR expert, and you saw the people mm. doing PCI security companies suddenly doing GDPR and data protection and data privacy, uh, some better than others, um, and and that's what's happened. So now I think we've calmed down a bit and starting to realize, you know, courses for courses, data protection is one thing, data security is another thing, and data privacy, again, is a different thing. But what we have to be very, very conscious is in any privacy regulation, uh, what is termed as personal data, you know, for lack of a better term, um, is something that needs to be protected, 
Now, the guidelines from the very various regulation will differ slightly. So let's not forget that cardholder information is also personal data. So I think it's a case of applying common sense to everything and not treating uh, regulations or standards separately and in silos, but look at the holistic picture for your business and see, well, what is it that I have and what do I need to do with it and how do I need to protect it to ensure that one, I prevent fraud and two, I'm on the right side of the law. Mm. GDPR is an interesting one right now mm. from the, the yeah. penalty point of view. Um, what There was an article I saw somewhere in the last few months, Paul, that was talking about um, you know, GDPR has been out for what, in effect, for I think about a year now. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been Maybe no major penalties. There's been no major penalties that I'm aware of yet. Um, and they're they were saying initially everyone, as you were saying, was super scared. Yeah. But no. Okay. Is is the teeth are the teeth going to show? Do you think, or, or well, what's going to oh, happen? Yeah, absolutely. There have been some penalties, and as as you know yourself, I mean, uh, to to implement regulation actually takes a reasonable amount of time. So uh, we had very, very major uh, data breaches uh, uh, due to Magecard. I'm sure you've, you've heard of them mm -hmm. uh, with British mm -hmm. Airways and Ticketmaster. And uh, the proposed fine by the Information Commissioner Office, uh, Commissioner's Office here in uh, in the UK were, were, were quite substantial. Uh, they have not been levied yet because, uh, unfortunately, something else happened in mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of this year. So we have a pandemic and, and businesses are struggling, uh, especially in those industries, airlines and, and entertainment. Uh, so, uh, so the the, uh, the regulators themselves are applying some sort of a, a pragmatism because really businesses have uh, other fish to fry, so to speak. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I I also wanted to talk about some of the trends uh, in cybercrime against uh, you know financial institutions or just fraud in general. Uh, is a topic we don't often cover. Um, Nir, could you tell us about some of the uh, like recent kind of uh, fraud type of attacks that may be going on uh, today? Oh, absolutely. So uh, if we if we uh, put aside anything to to do with uh, cloud misconfiguration, which mm -hmm. seems to be the mm -hmm. the new black, um, and uh, keep keeps happening almost uh, on a daily basis. Uh, the, what, what we have seen right now is a, a, a trend in the fraud and cybercrime linked to the pandemic. And basically, this is very much fraud because what we're talking about is we, we're talking about identity theft, we're talking about impersonation, we're talking about phishing, and anything around the the, the pandemic. And the fraudsters uh, are, are a very good social engineer, and uh, and people fall for it. So that mm. that is really uh, the the main trend currently. That with obviously uh, uh, the increased sophistication we see in uh, ransomware attacks because uh, criminals have also moved on with the time if you recall uh, prior prior to 2018 prior to the gdpr a ransomware attack was a ransomware attack which is essentially uh, you encrypt and uh, ask for some money and then you decrypt uh, now the threat is more if you don't give me the money, I'm actually going to release all of the data, and now you have a privacy problem to deal with. Mm. 
Yeah, that's I, I've noticed that trend too. That's really interesting. I had not really tied it to GDPR, but it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. They're afraid of those those fines for sure. My, oh, absolutely. my advice to folks on the you know, kind of phishing fraud front is, you know, if it has to do with something that's very recent in the news, like a global pandemic, and they're asking for some type of financial transaction, like just the answer is no, right? Especially if you're not expecting it. Oh gosh, absolutely. And it's not, it's not just for, for phishing because uh, all too often what I find organization forget that information security is not just about the tech. Uh, it's about the people, it's about the processes, it's about the technology. So if, you know, the people are not trying, if there are no appropriate governance processes around very good security technology that that you uh, may have deployed, then everything is in vain. So always people, process and technology, and you will find generally when this type of thing happens, that's because of a lack of governance. Mm. Yeah, and we also see... uh scammers getting really uh, a lot more creative, right? They get into an email account and now they're emailing all of your friends going, hey, can you buy me some gift cards and send them to me? And I don't know if you've yeah. read some of the threads on that. They're actually kind oh, of good. hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it is really, really clever. So uh, I uh, I actually commend the, the, the work of uh, the Global Cyber Alliance, uh, which is a not-for-profit organization, um, uh, which I've been involved with for, for quite a while now. And essentially they, they started, I mean, my, my involvement started maybe three years ago um, and and the idea was they wanted to promote uh, uh, DMARC uh, as a standard and, and and everything around DNS security and uh, and, I, and I had always been a, a fan of uh, of DMARC in terms of uh, deploying a layered approach to uh, to email security uh, despite the fact that the standard had been around for some time not many people had heard of it and they've done a tremendous job uh, worldwide uh, to raise awareness of uh, of the standard and protect the organization. But unfortunately, uh, uh, it, there should be more. There's not enough awareness of it. But uh, phishing is actually one of the major causes of uh, of data breaches. Mm, for sure. Um, John, more questions for Nira? Yeah, it, it, it never ends. Um so you know, a, a, a fun, oh, a fun and unfortunate uh, comment that a lot of us in security tend to make is, um, "It's another security breach. My information's already out there. I don't really care." Um, I, I say that with a little bit too much. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's been you know published so many times. It's like, okay, great. What's your thoughts on that? Like, you know, I know for the, the average person out there, probably doesn't realize how much their their data is on the internet. Um, it, are we caring too much at this point? Um, you know, how, how do we, how do we sort of crawl back? Uh, do you mean from a, from an individual point of view? Both. Well, you know, the individual can't crawl back. There's, you know, it takes a lot of work, right? If you want to rebuild your, your privacy, but how is, Mm -hmm. as an industry, how do we, you know, um, what tools do we provide? You know, what guidance can we provide? Um, not just specifically for an individual, but for the population, um, do, does well, does are there things a vendor can do to get better? Sorry, or or yeah, what's your thought? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, it should always be getting back to basics and uh, and seeing exactly uh, what your organization is is about and and the risks 
you face as a business. And there is no one size, one size fits all, fits all for that. So it's knowing your business, knowing what you have and, and the various risks that you, uh, that you may be facing. Uh, it is undeniable that certainly in Europe, uh, the individuals themselves uh, are more aware of privacy issues because because of the GDPR, because it has been so well publicized. So now uh, the, the the man on the, on the street, the man or the lady on the street, is uh, more aware of uh, their rights in terms of their data. So that there is the consumer behavior. People have come to expect security more than they did prior to uh, to May 2018. Uh, as far as businesses are concerned, uh, it's a case of uh, look at what you do and take a pragmatic approach because all this is about is managing risk. And what I always say to people, there is absolutely no point in spending a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars on a one pound or one dollar asset. It doesn't make any sense. It's not just about protecting anything. It's about protecting what matters and doing it well with um, making sure that your staff are aware and making sure that you have the appropriate governance processes in place uh, to deal with whatever uh, uh, incident or crime may happen. Yeah, I, I tend to have similar advice for organizations, especially when it comes to uh, largely phishing that is against a, a financial, uh, you know, transaction, uh, uh, really of any organization, right? And I always tell people, and in, in, from what I've heard from people that have, you know, anti-phishing technology to, you know, anti-mount, whatever it is, the customers that prevent loss are the ones that have a process to validate the financial transactions. And Nira, I'm sure that's also probably part of your advice to your clients as well, right? Is that process is really, you're transferring a million dollars. You know, someone should probably really scrutinize that before we just let it go. Absolutely. And and you think that would be common sense. And then you mm. keep hearing about about scams of somebody getting a, a, a so-called phone call from the CEO uh, needing to do an urgent transaction. Right. I mean, it's, it's just not right. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's process that really... Uh, in a, a lot of fraud prevention comes down to process, right? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I mean, today in the news, um, uh, there was a, a, an Irish bank that uh, got fined by uh, by the regulator uh, for having hidden uh, a fraud that happened, I think, a couple of years ago. It was just on the news today. <laughs> and essentially what happened was a high net worth uh, individual, so this was premium banking, um, and for some reason, credential got intercepted. I don't quite remember how it uh, how it actually happened. Uh, the fraudsters called the bank and asked for a transfer to a particular account because it is a premium customer. Uh, I, I expect that was the reason behind this to kind of provide the kind of premium uh, service that you would expect. They actually transferred the money to uh, uh, to, to another account without checking, uh, without another means of checking. Uh, so of course the money went. Uh, when the custom, the actual customer realized, um, the bank immediately reimbursed the money, but actually hid it. So he hid it from the regulators and it only came to light very recently and they got fined quite a substantial amount of money. I think uh, it's 1.2 billion euros 
for a transfer that was, I think, 100,000 uh, euros, and deservedly so. Because if you look, because even if you're talking about premium banking and premium banking customers, yes, they do want a special service. They also expect proper governance. Mm. Yeah, it's like fraud to cover up fraud. It's really bad. <laughs> but now, um, and again, we don't cover fraud uh, in, in great detail, but uh, the companies in the technology that I've uh, looked at to identify fraud seems to have an easier time because transactions in the financial uh, you know, sector right, are very well defined. So variations are a little easier to find than you know, when we're talking about looking at web traffic or emails, like the data is so unstructured and so unpredictable that it's hard to prevent. But when we move to, you know, financial transactions, the fraud technology is is very good today. Is that, would you agree with that, that statement? Uh, I, I would agree that there are very, very good technologies around which can be used very, very uh, effectively uh, if, uh, if, you, if you deploy it for the purpose that they're supposed to be deployed with with again uh, the the processes and, and the mm -hmm. governance in place to actually use that because at the end of the, the day those technologies throw a very very vast amount of uh, of data and what you want to be able to do from that and we're talking i'm sure you're referring to for example things like behavioral analytics and mm -hmm. and machine learning to be identified uh, to be able to identify uh, anomalous patterns in quasi uh, real time, then yes, that can be deployed and that can be uh, indeed very, very effective. Uh, and you need to deploy it in, in the way that uh, that is valuable to the organization because at the end of the day, you don't want masses and masses of data and not being able to do anything with it because that's just too much. Mm. And is that... What? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, John. Sorry, I was yeah, going so... to say... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nira, and then John. <laughs> I was going to say it is it is undeniable that uh, there there is so so much technology uh, around that uh, one needs to be uh, extremely careful uh, in deploying it. Uh, but because of the increase in moving towards digital, automation has become absolutely necessary, especially now with uh, the the surge in digital related to the pandemic. Yeah. So it's, now it's, it's time to buy stock in reg tech companies. <laughs> a lot of us have the, um, I'll call it a weakness of we're always trying to solve a problem with a tool and that that's not necessarily, not always the best way. And, and that sort of leads to where my question was going to be is, you know, you know, talking about specifically the the, the data tools and the, the machine learning. Um, for those on the SW don't know, anytime I mentioned machine learning, I have to do my rainbow hands. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, you know, any of these type of technologies, they all cost money. Um, and that's great for the larger enterprises. But what about, you know, how, how does the, the mom and pop type, um, either a startup that's trying to bring a new IoT th device and they're caring about like, you know, um, really tiny margins. I know that's not mom and pop, but you get the idea. Um, how, do, how do we help them out? How do they uh, um, okay. approach so, mitigating these? So, uh, uh, let's, let's go back to our favorite topic of PCI DSS. So, Yes, we have the mom and pop shop, and suddenly everyone wants to 
try and see if, for example, they can convert uh, a physical business into a digital one. A lot of that is happening right now and has mm. been happening over the past uh, four months or so. So um, what, what I would say is if you're thinking of doing that, then do it the right way. Don't just ask for anyone to put together a website for you in their garage if they actually don't understand about taking payments. So if we look at the DSS, it has various scenarios in it. Uh, for an e-commerce website, for example, the simplest scenario would be for them to have a complete redirect model to a payment page so that is easy to deploy. You can use companies that will help you do that. Uh, and it would provide, it, it is actually the minimal risk that you could potentially have. I'm not, I'm not saying zero risk, but certainly the minimal risk. Uh, but if you, if you don't know much about it and perhaps have someone else doing it for you, doing it in a, in a way that is, for example, is going to you integrate directly into a payment page via an API because, well, that's what the person decided to do. Uh, that is obviously a very risky model because you don't get the cover of the third party that is actually compliant. So I would say take the advice, you know, that uh, uh, the, the SSC is, is giving you if you're thinking about the website and take the less risky option, which also happens to be the cheapest. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's solid advice. Um, I'm actually a big fan of, of Square, ironically enough, um, <laughs> for that purpose. Uh, and in fact, when we've done uh, transactions like that, we've actually used uh, Square to give them a little, you know, endorsement, right? But I'm assuming that's an example of what you were referring to, uh, Nero, yeah, right? Square or Stripe, you mm -hmm. know, yep. use things that are known uh, because they are large companies and they spend a lot of money in uh, in protecting their infrastructure and the ecosystem, and as a result, their customers. Right. That's good advice. Well, what's interesting? What's interesting about those two examples actually is because you know, unfortunately, it's just, again in the states here. People aren't going to spend money on security, but they will spend money on making their product easier to use so that um, it's easier to get money from the customers. And the great thing about Square and, and companies like that is they've made it very simple to either um, you know, swipe the card or, um, oh, it's another website using Square. I can easily pay them. So mm. there's there's multiple ways into that. Yeah. Well, you know, sorry, go ahead. Closing, closing thoughts for, for our segment today. We very much enjoyed the conversation. Sure. Well, I, I enjoyed it as well, and I would say be pragmatic and uh, and, and certainly uh, look for advice from those that have uh, done it before. Don't try to be too complicated. It does not necessarily need to cost a lot of money, um, and and and, uh, and and you can do it. And by, by doing that, not only do you protect yourself, you protect your own customers as well. Nira, thank you so much for appearing on Enterprise Security Weekly. John, thank you uh, for filling in as a co-host for this segment. Pleasure as always. And that like will um, conclude the show for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time on Enterprise Security Weekly.